It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football guru, Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. Chris, we're going to go ahead. We're going to do our Sunday week four NFL recap. Overall, what did you think of the product today? A lot of points on the board today. It seems as if defense is becoming optional. So for us fantasy guys and our player prop guys, especially the guys who are betting the overs, um, you know, it seems like it's, you know, I guess you could say a, a successful weekend, like each and every weekend uh, for the over betters and the fantasy guys. Cause uh, I mean, guys are just lighting it up today. Joe Mixon, 150 yards, three TDs today. Uh, Odell had three TDs today. So, you know, if you pick certain guys out, you know, you might've, uh, you know, you might've really had a, a feast day to say the least. What do you think about uh, the action from today's card? Yeah, I had, I had a good buddy text me and be like, oh, you know, all the overs are hitting. And then when it came to the 4 o'clock games and the Sunday night game as well, uh, the unders started hitting. So I'm wondering if the market might overreact next week and we might have some opportunity to get a little bit of edge betting some unders. I haven't taken a look at the totals yet, but, um, you know, the two underplays that I did put out of my props article both hit. Uh, Slayton under 50 and a half yards. Tyler Higby under four and a half receptions. We had some bad luck with some with, with some other props. We went nine and eight for the day overall, and and you uh, sleepy improved the three and zero with your bonus bet props on uh, on straight out of Vegas. So kudos to you on that. So uh, it felt like a bad day, but we actually were in the win column for three weeks in a row. So I did feel good about that. But I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement, a lot of lessons learned, a couple props we missed by just a single yard, a single catch, and, and I think there's some insight to take from that. And I'm definitely ready to jump into that too. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is the fact that, you know, one of the things that sports betting was kind of stuck with were, you know, they were stuck with the offshore market and then they were stuck to Vegas. So you had like, you know, your, your, I guess you could say your, your square money going into the offshore books and a lot of your sharp money being played in Las Vegas, but that's completely changed now that sports betting is legal. You know, you have sports betting in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, all over the place. So there's a lot more public money coming in. <clears throat> so I'm not surprised, you know, that a lot of these overs are being bet. I mean, I guess the result is one thing, but you have to wonder, you know, if are they adjusting, you know, the way that they used to, or are they lopsided these books? I mean, I'm not sure. That, that's something that I might want to reach out to to RJ about to find out, you know, or Fezzik and see, you know, if we're seeing, you know, different adjustments this year, because this is really you know, the first year that we've had, I think we have like six more states with sports betting. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what it looks like at the sports books, because you figure if you opened up the entire United States, that you would just be inundated with public money. And then, and then I would wonder, you know, what happens to the, to the line. So, um, I think it's going to take probably, you know, some, some bad weather or some sneaky kind of weather, like a lot of windy conditions where, Maybe the sports books don't adjust and you have people still betting the overs. And then that might be one way that they get creamed or, you know, maybe it's just going to be, you know, a certain bunch of matchups that, that create a bunch of under, unders. But, I mean, you got games right now that are landing in the 60s, landing in the 70s. We have one today that landed in the 80s. I mean, these teams are just scoring at will. But um, anyway, that was just something I was thinking about. But why don't we go ahead and jump in here, Chris? Uh, as I just mentioned, Joe Mixon monster day today let's start out with jacksonville 
Cincinnati. Cincinnati getting their first win of the season, 33-25 to over the Jaguars. couple injuries to note in this game. Most of them are to Jacksonville. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jacksonville ended up with their uh, cornerback, DJ Hayden. He left. Tyler Eifert, tight end, left. Miles Jack suffered an ankle injury. And Cam Robinson, he ended up uh, leaving there, I think, with a knee injury. So they were like the, the notable injuries there. Cincinnati actually came out uh, rather healthy. They played well today. You know, Joe Burrow ended up with 300 yards, only one touchdown. But I think the beneficiary of the Cincinnati offense being down near the red zone was certainly Mixon because, you know, Burrow would hand it to him and he would break a run. Otherwise, I think, you know, Burrow probably has three or four touchdowns today. So, but uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. Mixon played his rear end off today. Uh, DJ Shark sighting. You want to talk about him for a minute? That's cool. Uh, I noticed that um, Minshew had a pretty good game today. I think that Cincinnati defense is still, you know, rather suspect, but Jacksonville kind of did it to themselves today. So if you want to go ahead and touch on that one, Chris, floor is all yours. Yeah, and we expected a neutral pace type of situation, a very close game back and forth, and that's pretty much what we got. The Jaguars actually led at halftime in this game, and uh, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow led them to some successful long drives down the field. The Bengals outscored Jacksonville 17 to nothing in the third quarter, wound up pulling out an eight-point win, and this was the first game all season where we saw – the Bengals playing either with a neutral pace and or from ahead, which meant that this was the best situation for Joe Mixon to be in. And we talked about him being a buy low candidate and a lot of people were ready to give up on him in fantasy. But I think the buy low window has closed now because Mixon just absolutely went off. I mean, a season high of 25 carries, season high 151 rushing yards, had two touchdowns on the ground, also a touchdown through the air, saw his season high in the passing game, also six catches, on, uh, for 30 yards and Gio Bernard who had been stealing a lot of passing game work away from Mixon actually was the first game of his career that he did not see a target in a game so that might be more of an anomaly but it's still a great sign for Mixon moving forward here and you know it's Mixon might revert back to struggling next week because the the Bengals play at the Ravens and they're and they're 14 point dogs on the road but you know after that, they do have a couple of decent matchups here and there, but it's going to be a um, kind of a high and low type of ordeal with Mixon because when the Bengals are trailing, you have to have him used in the passing game in order for him to deliver fan in order for him to, to deliver fantasy value. So he has the RB one ceiling and the right type of game environment, but he does have a low floor uh, when the Bengals will be trailing in tough matchups. So I think you're going to have kind of a roller coaster ride, but you're going to take the highs just as you're going to have to take the lows as well. In terms of DJ Shark, you mentioned him, man. We were a little bit worried about DJ Shark. He only saw four targets or less in each of his first two games. He obviously missed week three with his chest injury, I believe. But, man, he went off. Nine targets, had eight catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. And the rookie LaVisca Chanel was also very impressive. Uh, five catches, 86 yards on six targets. So Sharks being back into that, you know, kind of low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two type of area. He was a guy I was actually looking to trade in a few leagues, and I wasn't able to get rid of him. So now I'm glad that I actually was able to hold on to him because it, it was very refreshing to see Minshew lock back onto him as the number one receiver. Definitely like to see that. And, and your boy, Tyler Boyd, you hit your, your, your player prop of the week with Tyler Boyd over 58 and a half receiving yards. You know, he had seven catches for 90 yards, had a team high eight targets, um, one by low here before I wrap this game up is T Higgins, uh, you know, the, the rookie wide receiver. And he's essentially surpassed AJ green these last couple weeks. And he actually quietly had uh, the second most targets on the team 
He had seven targets, which was more than Green, who had five. And and Higgins at le- had at least one drop that I saw that could have been an extra 20 or so yards. So talking about a buy low, most people added Higgins on waivers last week. He, he might even still be on waivers in your league. He kind of had a quiet four-catch, 77-yard day. But with the target volume and the potential with him growing chemistry with, with Joe Burrow, I think he's a great buy low candidate. And a pretty decent offense, I think, is going to put up a lot of yards uh, whether it's in a game like this or whether it's in garbage time throughout the season. So it's going to be interesting. I, I, honestly, uh, Sleepy, you tell me what you think here, but the Bengals plus 14 right now at the Ravens, I don't know if the Bengals should be you know, two touchdown dogs in that game. I think they're a lot better of an opponent than the Ravens had today in Washington because uh, Joe Burrow is just such a more capable quarterback. That line opened at plus 13, so money's coming in on the Ravens, it seems like, the start. But that, that kind of jumped out uh, out at me when I looked at the Week 5 lines for these teams. Well, I think the fact that Cincinnati came out of this game today healthy is certainly, you know, that's a good sign. And it seems like like Burrow's not trying to do too much. He's not trying to feed, you know, too many mouths. I mean, it was, as you mentioned, you know, it's been like a concentrated attack. It's Boyd, it's Higgins, it's Sample, it's Mixon, it's Green. And that's it, really. I mean, a couple one, one target here for this guy, one target here for that guy. Um, I think that the big thing taken out of this game today for me is the fact that Mixon was six for six in, in receptions. Like, no Gio Bernard. Like, is Mixon completely taken over right now as a three-down back? And I know that it's it's hard to say, well, it's one game, you know, do we go ahead and, and kind of just throw our eggs in our basket right now on Mixon because of the monster game he had today. But you have to, you know, you have to think that that's going to afford him more opportunities to go ahead and start catching the ball out of the backfield as well, too. So... Uh, maybe now he takes over as a three-down back. Maybe he's earned that role. And look, th- these guys have <clears throat> these guys have a short shelf life. You know, running backs in this league, and they only have so much time to go ahead and cash in. And if Mixon could go ahead and and put himself in the you know in, in, as a true three-down back where he can run and catch the ball and have outings like this every now and again, um, that's going to certainly do him a big benefit. You know, as you mentioned, the fourteen points. Uh, yeah, right now, first glance, yeah, that's just too many points because this Bengals offense, and I talked about this in the beginning of the year, they're going to score points because they have players. You know, you have Higgins, you have Boyd, you have A.J. Green, and you have Mixon. I mean, that's four players that I think a lot of teams in this league w- would, you know, they would die for. I mean, they would be really happy to have those type of guys on their team. And the fact that you bring in Burrow, who, you know, he's not scattered. That guy's just not scattered. He, he has you know, kind of ice in his veins. He stands in the pocket, he delivers, and when he needs to take off and run to make things happen, you know, he could do that. So I think the Bengals can certainly go ahead and hit the board against the Ravens. And I don't think that they'll be, I don't think they'll be intimidated at all. In fact, I think it's one of those situations where you walk in with the team and you say, you know what, you guys smacked us around for years. And maybe they go in with this adjusted attitude of, you know, we're, we're going to come out and we're, we're going to, we might not win the game, but we're going to get our punches in for today, you know, and, and that might be, you know, the, the mentality that the Bengals take into that game. Plus they're coming off of a win and they're coming off of a tie. So the Bengals haven't lost in two weeks. So going into that game, I think they'll be highly confident. Uh, one other guy to touch on here before we move to our next game, as you had mentioned, Chanel, I think you certainly have to go ahead and, and start moving him up, you know, in your fantasy rankings. You know, if you guys are, are watching Jacksonville play I watched him today and he he seemed to be a guy that you know made those catches when when they were needed but he's got he's also you know their number two and I agree with what you said too about Higgins too as well Chris he's their number two now 
and I guess it's not a bad thing. You know, if Boyd's your one, Higgins is your two, and A.J. Green is, you know, your three, I mean, that's that's a pretty solid lineup. I saw A.J. Green did get a little banged up today, but, you know, he played through, which has been something that he hasn't really done, you know, in the past. All right, let's jump over to another game here, Chris. Let's go to <clears throat> let's go to the uh, the shootout of the day: Cleveland, Dallas, forty nine to thirty nine to thirty eight. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was reading that one right. Dak Prescott threw for five hundred yards today. Uh, Dallas just can't seem to go in and get out of their own way. I think right now they've given up one hundred and forty six points in four games. And if the Atlanta Falcons don't allow 42 points tomorrow, Dallas is going to head into week five with the worst scoring defense in the league. Um, Zeke was bogged down today, only 12 carries for 54 yards. Uh, we talked about, you know, the the Dallas Cowboy receivers. And, I mean, they had a pretty good day. Cooper had 134 yards. We talked about him. Lamb had two TDs. Your boy Dalton Schultz that you were, you know, you were pretty high on. Zeke did have a pretty good day receiving the ball but I think the story of the game today was you know the fact that Odell Beckham went off for three touchdowns today and then Nick Chubb ends up getting hurt now right now it seems like Chubb's gonna have an MRI in his knee I haven't heard anything in specific I heard people saying something about ACL or something like that but I don't believe that that was uh, confirmed in any way I think actually Cleveland right now is kind of optimistic that maybe he just suffered uh, some type of a knee sprain or something um, you know, where it's not going to end up being a, a season-ending injury. At least that was a report that I read most recent. But have you heard anything on Chubb as of recently? Because when you guys were, uh, you know, watching the late game tonight, I decided to go ahead and go to sleep. So I missed all the late the late news. Yeah, well, I'm glad you are able to get some sleep, man. So I definitely uh, well needed after a long week with all the podcasts and content on the website we've been putting out. But, yeah, man, um, so when it comes to Nick Chubb, they're pretty. It's pretty much in the air uh, right now. He's supposed to get an MRI, like you said, on Monday. Uh, we're recording here past midnight right now, so this morning he should be getting an MRI Monday morning. And uh, at first, it was an ankle injury. That's that was the report when he when he w- uh, had to go to the locker room and get off the field. And now they're saying it's a knee issue. I don't know if it's a knee and an ankle, or if it was misdiagnosed from the initial report. Um, but Kareem Hunt came in and didn't miss a beat. And I think we all expected that if Nick Chubb were to ever go down, that Kareem, Hunt, Kareem Hunt's value would absolutely skyrocket in this offense. And he already had standalone value as a fantasy starter, even split in time with Nick Chubb there. And you actually saw um, shout outs to University of South Florida alum, Dearness Johnson. That's my school right there. So he's the, he was the third string running back for that team. He actually came in and had, uh, I believe, 13 carries for 71 yards. And and he's going to be – or 95 yards, excuse me, 13 carries, 95 yards. And he, he has to be a waiver ad if you need running back depth, or especially in our league, in our 20-team listener league, Sleepy, where people are desperate for running backs at this point in the season. Uh, I, think I picked him up gonna, immediately. He's going to be a as priority as, effort. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, I picked him up immediately. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, I got to go try to get this guy. You might have to put in a, you you know might have to put in a big waiver bid to, to get him on your team this week. That's for sure. That's okay. Yeah, so – so anyways, um, you know, it's going to be Kareem Hunt. And you know, what's, you know what's funny, Sleepy, is that Kareem Hunt, we know him as the pass catching back. He didn't, have, he didn't have a single target in this game. And you think of the Browns scoring 49 points. You're like, oh, man, Baker Mayfield, OBJ went off. Well, OBJ caught a trick pass from Jarvis Landry, and then he had a rushing touchdown. So as much as I hate to say it, if you talk about buy lows and sell high, sell high on OBJ right now. His value is never going to be higher than it is after this game. They're never going to play the Cowboys defense again. 
He's never going to catch a trick play for a long touchdown as well as get a rushing touchdown and catch another touchdown from Baker in the same game. So as much as he could be a solid starter for you, the value from him based off his name and his recent performance in week four today, I don't think you're ever going to get as high a value in return if you can somehow ship OBJ and get a starting running back in return, maybe like an Antonio Gibson who could still be more in that buy low type of territory, but he could explode at any minute. And he, he even had a great game today against the Ravens. So that's another story for another game here, but that's more of my thoughts there. Uh, talking about Dalton Schultz, I had him ranked as a top 10 tight end in fantasy this week uh, on bettingpredators.com. I, I was three spots ahead of consensus on that. So the consensus rankings had him at 13 from all the other analysts in the industry there. So um, yeah, I, I had him a little bit higher and it paid off. I mean, I, I picked him up in a couple of leagues and streamed them this week and it, and it paid off for me in a big way. And he's, he's going to be a part of that offense, uh, you know, pretty consistently from week to week because that defense is so bad. The Cowboys are just going to have to keep throwing it just game in and game out. And they're struggling to run the ball too, Sleepy. Zeke Elliott was barely getting over three yards per carry. I think he finished with like 13 carries for 54 yards. So the uh, if you look at Dak, Dak, Dak threw the ball 58 times, and he threw it. Uh, 39 of those 58 pass attempts went to Cooper, Lamb, Schultz, and Zeke. And the odd man out was Michael Gallup. He had two catches, 29 yards on five targets. I'm very disappointed that and you mentioned this too, Sleepy, is that that Dak is, is an overrated passer, especially with his accuracy down the field. And I think Gallup, honestly, it, it, just from my opinion, watching him play over these last two years, I think he's one of the best field stretchers in the league. And the fact that in a game like this, he only was able to get two catches for 29 yards and Dak was just not looking his way. Dak was taking everything easy underneath and not really making the plays that were needed to win the game. That really disappointed me from Dak, really disappointed me from the game plan perspective, whether you want to put that on McCarthy or Kellen Moore. I was just disappointed altogether in just the Cowboys. You you can't just blame the, you can't just blame the defense every single time. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm even though the, the offense is putting up all these points, I, I don't know if they're doing it in a winning type of way. It's just more of a garbage time. Oh, let's catch up right at the end, and if we win, we win. But most times, we're probably going to lose. That's kind of my thoughts there. Well, I mean, Dak Prescott put up some impressive numbers today, but he also turned the ball over twice, and you know those two turnovers, you know they're they're going to hurt you. You know, one of the guys I had mentioned was Cedric Wilson. He did get some targets. Say he had six targets for three catches. That's kind of all I was hoping for. I was just hoping that the guy got a couple a couple looks today. But as you had mentioned, you know, Cooper, 16 targets today. I mean, that, that, was, that, was, uh, that was rather impressive. You know, I do want to touch on one thing, though, with Odell. You know, one of the things that I think that you want to kind of take into consideration with a guy like that is that he loves the camera. And one of the things about Odell in the past has been you got to get the ball in his hand some type of way because he can make things happen. And, yeah, he had only had five catches today. He had 81 yards, two touchdowns. But he did have two rushes today uh, for 73 yards and a touchdown. And the fact that he's able to produce when he gets the ball in his hand, at least in a game like today, um, that has to worry That has to worry teams and like I said, being on camera and, you know, being the, the highlight of the game. And this is going to be a game that's going to be talked about big tomorrow. And one of the top three players you're going to hear about tomorrow is going to be Odell Beckham. And when you're on camera like that and your team's doing well and you win a big game like that, that becomes contagious. And Odell's going to try to go ahead and, you know, lobby for, you know, a lot of targets next week. And, the fact that, you know, the Browns only had five guys today that they targeted in the passing game, it, it tells me that 
maybe you don't want to sell high get on Beckham. I'm not sure who Cleveland plays next week, but if they have a really poor defensive matchup, maybe we go ahead and we hold on to Beckham for one more week. And actually they play the Colts, which is not going to be an easy out. If you look at the Colts defense right now, they have the number one scoring defense in the league. And it's not even close. I mean, that defense right now is playing lights out. Yeah, and so and maybe you're right. They, they maybe play, they, they maybe. play the Steelers the week after Sleepy too. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough two game run here, probably for Odell. So if you're gonna hold on to him, you know you, you're gonna have to wait until you hit the Bengals, Raiders, and, and Texans game, which are three games that that follow after that. But you might not get any production out of Odell, but. Again, you know, it, it is one of those things where it becomes contagious where a guy who can make plays and, you know, like they, they up their game when, when that type of stuff happens. We used, we used to watch it with Terrell Owens all the time. You know, he'd go out and be like, you know, I'm on ESPN, you know, and they're, they're showing me and this is making me look good. And I get to be, you know, the center of attention. And I think that Odell wants to be the center of attention, but it takes games like this in order to to become that. So I don't know necessarily what I would do, but I'll, as you just mentioned, it's it's Colt Steelers back to back. So yeah, and, and, I think and, if you make just them. just one thing to add on to that is that Baker Mayfield threw for 165 yards in this game, and and the the Browns want to run the ball. It's part of Stefanski's DNA, and they still have Kareem Hunt, and they st- they still have other capable running backs. So I just I have to sell high on a guy who just completely went berserk. And his quarterback only threw for 165 yards. I'm not saying trade him for nobody. I'm saying see what the market you know is there for OBJ because of his name, his household name type of value. If you can get a start anytime in fantasy, if you can get a starting running back for a starting receiver, you almost always want to pull that that trigger because running backs are just so hard to come by as opposed to receivers in fantasy. In fantasy, just shop him around, see what you can get. If you need him and you're and you're thin at wide receiver, it's a different story. But if you had a couple other starting receivers, you might be thin at running back. On the other hand. Definitely think it's worth shopping around and see what you could get off this massive performance. It's just tough sometimes. I get, and you would know this better than anybody. It's tough to pull the trigger on a guy when, you know, he gets you 30-plus in your fantasy league and then you end up winning that week just because of one guy. And it's like you're going to turn around and dump him. I guess it is hard. But, look, I mean, they, they got two, two of the best defenses coming up. So don't be shocked if he ends up, you know, not really panning out and, and – you know, ending up with that type of a weekend again. I think that's, you know, one for the ages for Odell. I mean, he, we haven't seen that in a long time. All right. Um, I guess that pretty much pretty much covers that game. Why don't we jump over to New Orleans and Detroit? Detroit was catching a bunch of points today. I think they were getting like three and a half, four. Maybe that line actually closed at three. But Detroit failed to go in and get the cover. Drew Brees, not a bad day today. I mean, it was kind of workmanlike, 19 for 25, 246 yards TD and an interception. Uh, Alvin Kamara had a, had a decent day. My boy Traquan Smith came through with some some big catches. I mean, he only had four targets, four catches, but he did have two touchdowns in that game. Overall, I mean, when I really looked at, at the overall picture of this particular game, you know, the Saints really didn't impress me a whole lot. But they needed to go on the road. They needed to go ahead and get a win. They got that done. Um, as far as uh, Detroit went, I don't really have too much to say on that. They're just – I mean, he th- Stafford threw the ball to like 12 different guys in the game. It was one t- one here, one there, one here, one there. And the way that that Saints defense was, was pretty much beat up. I mean, the Saints were beat up all over the place. I thought Detroit stood a good chance of going ahead and getting a win in that game. Um, not to be the case. 
carry on Johnson, just three carries today, nine yards. I think that Detroit has to figure out what they're going to do with their rushing attack. I mean, Adrian Peterson led the way today with three, three yards, uh, three yards per carry. So I don't really have a whole hell of a lot on that one. I really wasn't impressed with, you know, what happened in that game overall, but again, that game goes well over. They score 64 total points in that one. Chris, what did you see in that one that kind of uh, made you kind of open your eyes up a little bit to that one? Uh, just the fact that that I, I shouldn't have put so many chips into the basket of Matt Patricia. Uh, I had three of my props were in this game, and I lost all three of them. They, I lost on one catch. I had Galladay over four and a half catches. He had four catches on the day. I had Hawkinson over on his catches and yards. And the Saints had been, to this point, the worst team in the NFL in terms of a defense uh, against tight ends. And I thought Hawkinson was in a great spot here, especially with the Lions as underdogs. But it, even when they were trailing, uh, Matt Patricia just insists in just slamming Adrian Peterson, like 40-year-old running back into the line, like straight up the middle. It just, it's just so frustrating to watch. And it's something that I brought up when we had the, when we had the little debate on our, uh, on our Money Picks podcast Friday night. And we were kind of going back and forth about Cedric Wilson. And, and you made a point where it's like, hey, this guy deserves more touches. I'm like, yeah, he does. I was like, but it's the coach – do we know this coach? Is this coach really going to give it to him? And, and, you know, why is DeAndre Swift not getting the touches in this offense? Why, why is it going to Adrian Peterson? It just, it just makes no sense at this point. And you just can't trust a coach like Matt Patricia. And I, I, I'm just uh, – that, that's the one lesson I learned from today. It's, it's putting too many eggs in the basket of a subpar mediocre quarterback and, and, and a subpar head coach. And, and that's that's what I learned from there. I mean, Sta- Stafford was bad. And look, Bernie Fratto brought it up, it brought it up, and he covered the Lions for a very long time. And, and he made a good point recently on Straight Out of Vegas where he was like, look, Matthew Stafford has these great numbers, but if you look at him making the throws when they count and winning big games, he's never done it. There's a reason why he's never done anything in the playoffs. I mean, look, if you're even somewhat halfway decent, you're going to have at least one or two years where you can do something on your own or at least with just a handful of guys behind you. But Stafford was playing against a depleted Saints defense, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Janoris Jenkins, no Marcus Davenport, yet he was only able to average 6.6 yards per attempt compared to 9.8 yards per attempt for Drew Brees, who was without Michael Thomas. And, and Stafford had a fully healthy Kenny Galladay in this game. So I was extremely disappointed in the Lions offense and doubly frustrated because I lost all the prop bets I made on this game. So we could have had a lot better day than going just nine and eight for week four. But I digress there. Um, Alvin Kamara is is game-proof dependent. I mean, whether they're in a positive game script or negative game script, he's going to get his touches today. He had 19 carries. He had four targets. So he's game script proof. And Latavius Murray's a solid flex option in all formats. He had 14 carries, 64 yards on two touchdowns. He gets at least one or two targets every game as well. So I'm liking what I see from the Saints being able to run the ball even without Michael Thomas. They're 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 finding ways to adjust and be successful, even though Breeze simply can't just stretch the field. He's still throwing those short type of passes, the Smith, Sanders, et cetera. So yeah, man, just, just I'm down on the Lions offense moving forward. I, I think it was more or less a fluky win last week against Arizona. And we saw today Arizona is just not as good as we thought they were. They came out week one and they beat up San Francisco. And then we saw San Francisco tonight get beat up by Philly. So I think we're starting to see some of these teams' perceptions where we thought Arizona was was, was a top-tier offense in week one. And now we see them lose to Carolina. We see them lose to Detroit. And it's like, okay, well, if Detroit beat Arizona, did that even really mean much to this point because of everything else that's transpired? So I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around that and how I want to rank these teams in terms of offensive and defensive matchups moving forward for fantasy and props too. 
you know, I think one of the things that we might be able to go ahead and take out of that game in particular is the fact that you mentioned Patricia. And if he's taken kind of a, a Bill Belichick type of approach where you don't know which running back's going to be in the game at any given point, you don't know how many guys are going to get how many touches, and then you're spreading the ball to 11 different wide receivers, it just becomes a, there's way too many mouths to feed. You never know what the game plan is. You don't know who to target in any of your fantasy leagues. And I believe the only player that's actually playable is probably it ends up being the quarterback in that offense. And, you know, coming off of this outing, I mean, it's tough for you to even think that that Stafford's in any kind of groove. I don't I don't think Patricia's long for that job. I, I, I have a feeling he probably doesn't make the end of the season. Um, I would be almost willing to bet that. So if, I think maybe we just go ahead and stay away completely from, you know, going ahead and taking any of the Detroit guys right now because we don't know you know, what Patricia is going to do with this offense right now. It's just there's way too many mouths to feed in this offense right now. At least that's the way that it looks. Let's jump over to Seattle, Chris, and Miami. Seattle gets a win today, 31-23. to 23. Uh, Solid outing from Russell today. He was uh, 24 for 34, 362 TDs. Our boy Metcalf, you know, you had mentioned it. I think you said last game he might have had four catches and, like, his yardage was – I don't know, it was kind of low today or something like that. What was it, with like 64? But he ended up having 106 yards today. No touchdowns, with, which kind of drove me out of my mind. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, he can't be the quarterback, the running back, and the wide receiver. I mean, Fitzpatrick, he led the team with rushing today. Uh, two interceptions. I was hoping that we would see a two sighting today. Did not happen. But, I mean, Seattle went in there in a tough spot. Uh, a lot of the sharps were on Miami today. I thought Seattle was the right side. I was I was happy to go ahead and see them win. They covered the game today. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on that one. What did you see in that game? Well, we actually had um, McKenzie with a bet on the Seahawks. We had A.J. Hoffman with a special guest best bet on the Seahawks on our week four preview pod. My my best bet is also pending, which is the Seahawks and Packers teasing them both down to a pick em. So hopefully the Packers can pull it out and win that game to, uh, tonight on Monday Night Football. Um, and we and so far, Sleepy, just to give a shout out to the team. We've put, been putting in a lot of hard work here. We had a great week, 14-3 and three overall on our picks for the podcast uh, last week. So that's, uh, that's our prop bets, our likes, and our best bets. Um, so like I said, the only thing we're waiting on is my teaser. So hopefully we move to 15 and three on the week and we're documenting all of that. You can go to our website, bettingpredators.com. You can go to our best bets picks tracker, click the link and it takes you to the public spreadsheet and Dan Rivera is updating that every single week. So we're, we're happy to have a good week. I think the hard work is paying off and we're looking forward to more good weeks in the future. But in terms of Seattle, man, DK Metcalf, we talked about this numerous times throughout the week that. Why is his receiving yards total being set so low? I mean, you're talking about the most efficient downfield thrower in the NFL and maybe the most athletic, best deep threat in the NFL, both in the same offense. And the fact it's, it's funny, man, DK Metcalf has, has had four catches in every single game, all four games he's had four catches and all four games he's had at least 90 yards. So I, I put out a tweet uh, earlier today because he actually beat his over under sleepy in the second quarter today. He had like 76 yards in the, by the second quarter finished with like 106. So he slowed down a little bit, uh, but the over under was set around 72 and a half. I think he, I even heard some people saying they saw it at like 69 and a half and the week before it was like 64 and a half. So I, I said on Twitter, if, if next, if week five, his line opens up uh, less than 80, I, I think it's just going to be like an automatic fire. It's like, cause he, he even did that against uh, 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 Stefan Gilmore in new England. So we got the Vikings 
very soft secondary, as we know, at the Seahawks on Sunday night football. So the Seahawks have like a little bit of extra rest. They're going to be at home for this game, traveling back to the West Coast. This game opened at minus nine. Money's actually coming on the Vikings. Uh, so it's minus seven and a half now. Um, but if, if I see the if, if I see the number on Metcalf under 80, I'm, I'm firing on the over no matter what. It, it, it's just I might lose. But you know what? The talent's there. The efficiency's there. I'm, I'm not going to try to buck that trend there. I, I think the total should be closer to 90 realistically for a talent like that. And I just don't think the market's caught up with it. So that's pretty much it, man. Russ is cooking. Uh, DK's cooking in that offense. And uh, Devontae Parker on the Dolphins side had a great game. 10 catches, 110 yards on 12 targets. Uh, will he be the top dog if and when Tua starts? Is that going to happen soon? Uh, I really can't tell you. I'm, I'm not sure. They've been kind of uh, playing it close to the vest when it comes with Fitzpatrick and Tua in that offense. We've seen no indications yet that Fitzpatrick's not going to be the starter for them. Um, but I would worry about a guy like Devontae Parker maintaining that elite wide receiver value if they do happen to switch to the rookie sometime uh, midway through the season. Yeah, I think it was a good call by you in that game in particular with Isaiah Ford. He ended up with the second most targets in that game with 10. I actually plugged him into my fantasy. It sucks he didn't get a touchdown today, but, you know, that's what you want. You know, if you and I can sit down and we can pick out 20 different wide receivers and we know we're getting 10 targets for every guy, we'll do that every day. I don't care what their name is. It does not matter. And um, that that was a pretty good look. Uh, Greg Olson had a decent day. We talked about him on our Friday night uh, Money Picks pod. He ended up going over his uh, receiving, uh, actually his receptions. I think he went over his receiving yards as well. Uh, that was one guy that we talked about. How about Chris Carson? You know, he was a, a, like kind of a question mark going into that game. He finished with 80 yards, two TDs, and then he was actually productive in the passing game as well with three catches. So Carson looked good. He came in. He did his thing. Uh, again, you know, Fitzpatrick can't be the leading rusher on that team and throwing interceptions. I mean, Miami, Miami was in a really good spot there, and Seattle wasn't. But the fact that Seattle went in there, they came away with a win and the cover. Now they get the hell out of there, 4-0. Uh, Seattle, again, you know, that, that that team's starting to come together. If they can go ahead and figure out, you know, what the hell they can do with their defense to get that defense a little bit better, um, that's going to be a tough team. Let's jump over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chargers. That game ended up being a push most likely for a lot of you guys. Tampa Bay favored by seven. They get the job done there. Uh, in the second half, I mean, they started out slow. But then Brady came alive there. Brady ended up with five TDs today, 369 yards. You know, that was the game, Chris, that I expected from Brady last week. I didn't get it. But this week, you know, we end up getting it. Mike Evans goes off for 122 yards. But Brady sped – he actually – five different guys in that receiving court uh, caught a touchdown today. Ronald Jones Jr., boy, I wish my fantasy league had picked him up a week earlier. He ends up with 111 yards. Herbert looked good. He looked, uh, you know, somewhat productive. Keenan Allen today, another 12-target day, eight catches. You know, we, you and I talked about that one. I think it was early this morning. We're like, Keenan Allen, four and a half catches, minus 180 or 175. And we were like, still like, you were like, even if he could get five and a half, uh, go ahead and grab that. Clearly, he's Herbert's favorite target. And, I, and there's a reason why Rivers, you know, that that was Rivers' favorite target because Keenan Allen, you know, was one of the top dogs in the league when it comes to going ahead and catching the ball. But again, you know, Tampa Bay gets a win three and one on the season. The Chargers dropped to one and three now. Not sure if you if you took anything else out of that one. I have about this one, Chris. I'm sitting there and somebody somebody went ahead on Twitter and they're like, Gronk. And this was like and Gronk was zero for he was one. He had one target with no catches, zero yards. 
So he catches a pass down the sideline and I'm watching it. Right. And I'm like his, and I got 28 and a half. That's what I gave out on the, on the podcast that we did. And I'm like, man, that looks like it's like 27 or 28 yards. Well, it comes up that it was 29. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, I just cashed on that. And then sure enough, he doesn't get another look the rest of the game, but yeah, a half a point winner on Gronk. If you follow that one, but if you did bet that one late, you ended up a loser by like a half a yard because I saw that one closing at like 29 and a half at some of the books. So you had to jump on it immediately when we gave that one out. But good outing from Brady today. I thought he looked strong. Bucks offense looks strong. You know, once the, if they can just go ahead and stay healthy and they can get Godwin out there, I mean, give credit to Scotty Miller today. He looked good. He made big, big catches in that third quarter. So uh, overall, I thought the Bucks looked half decent today. They're starting to go ahead and come around. You know, maybe they'll get Fournette back next week. I'm not sure. Do they even need that guy, you know, to go ahead? If Ronald Jones could go ahead and rush for 111 yards uh, per game, you know, and catch a couple passes, he had six catches today. I was really pissed I didn't have him in my league because I needed him because Eckler ended up going out. But uh, with all that said, Chris, what would you see in that game? How would you feel about that one? Yeah, I actually have the most notes on this game. And, yeah, you definitely got – like, I forgot to Venmo you the money. I was going to I was gonna friggin' Venmo you money because the, the bet online AG had Gronk's yardage prop at, like, 48 as opposed to 28. So, I, was, uh, I missed out on that one there. I actually caught the short end of the stick, man. I doubled down on Keenan Allen, and I played him over – 62 and a half yards sleeping and he wound up with 62 freaking yards oh, wow. man so that, that, that was yeah. a brutal one right there but you know what we, we really stressed the importance of jumping on the receptions total so i'm glad we at least hit one of those there uh we also had austin eckler over 38 and a half receiving yards and that was the probably the biggest injury of the day we already talked about nick chubb but uh eckler uh, had a really bad hamstring injury and now they're saying it could be a knee type of issue uh combined with that so we're not 100% clear on what it is, but he's also going in for an MRI, I believe, here today on Monday. So we should have some news on that soon. Uh, in the meantime, I expect more of a 50-50 backload, uh, uh, workload split in the backfield between uh, the rookie Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, who just came off IR last week. And Jackson, as we know, he was thrust into the second string duties last year when he split time with Austin Eckler himself. So Justin Jackson's a very capable running back. He can catch passes. He can run the ball. He's experienced in that offense. I think he'll get just as much run as Joshua Kelly. So I wouldn't go rush to overspend making a waiver bet on Kelly if he's available. I would also prioritize Justin Jackson if you need running backs too. So uh, anyways, uh, in terms of just the game itself, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a rookie quarterback play so good in losing all three of his first starts because Herbert looked great to me, man. He was 20 for 25 overall. 290 yards. He he averaged 11.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns and an interception. And if he's on the waiver wire in your league, I would suggest to either do that or buy low if you need a quarterback or if you want to sell high in a guy like a Lamar Jackson or something else, because we all know we can stream quarterbacks. We can play the matchups and there's not much of an edge between the elite quarterbacks and, and kind of average quarterbacks in fantasy. But you look at the uh, look at the Chargers schedule coming up and they play the Saints next week. But after that, they've got the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jaguars and the Raiders for four straight weeks. So four great opportunity opportunities against weak defense over the course of an entire month for a rookie quarterback and a lot of talented skilled players in that offense. So I would even look to possibly you're not exactly buying low on Keenan Allen. But if you could buy as low as possible or even buy high, however you want to phrase that, you know, he didn't score a touchdown today. He only had 62 yards. 
but he did have the eight receptions and he did see 12 targets. And you look at Keenan Allen, he's the absolute alpha dog in that offense, man. The next highest man, Sleepy, had three targets in that offense. So Keenan Allen through three games with Herbert has 41 targets. Like that's an insane amount of usage for Keenan Allen. I'm definitely going to look to his prop numbers next week. They might be a little inflated, but if Marshawn Lattimore and Jenkins are out again, I'm going to be looking to, to possibly play those overs again for Keenan Allen. I think we'll have a little bit better luck with that. But yeah, I'm looking to buy Keenan Allen. I'm looking to buy Justin Herbert. I'm looking to pick up Justin Jackson. I'm very high on this offense. I think they look great against a good Buccaneers defense. And, and, and you know, what can we say about Brady? You know, he brought back the glory days with five touchdowns. I'm, I'm still not buying him in fantasy because I don't think the Bucs are going to be trailing most weeks like they trailed in this, in this game, surprisingly. So that's pretty much all I got there. Other than obviously Mike Evans, you know, he balled out. Rojo balled out, even though he had three brutal drops in the passing game. Uh, if you're in a deeper league, take, take a waiver ad on Kishon Vaughn, the rookie out of Vanderbilt as a flyer here. He caught a receiving touchdown in this game. He could get a little more, he could get a little more run down the road if Fournette stays out. So overall, uh, this is probably the game I had the most notes on because it was so many points and so many things happening, injuries, et cetera. But that's pretty much what I got there. Yeah, it looks like what the deal with Eckler is, is a very similar situation that happened to Kittle and how Kittle ended up missing weeks. It's a hyperextended knee. But Kittle didn't have the the hamstring damage that it looks like Eckler's going to have. They're already saying that, that Eckler's slated. He's going to miss week, multiple weeks. So um, that sucks. I don't even know. My fantasy league is pretty much up in smoke uh, with that type of news. Another player that, that that actually suffered an injury today, an Achilles injury, don't know necessarily the degree, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end, O.J. Howard. Yeah. I did see Cameron Brates had a touchdown today. So it's not like the it's not like the, the Bucks were were short, at least in the depth area when it comes to tight end. At least they have guys that they can go ahead and fill in. And that's one of the key things with depth and and we'll talk about that as we get into some of the games down here that, you know, some teams are just they're beat up so bad that they're depth shy. And, you know, it, it, when you go into when you start a season where where you're really good on depth, um, you know, you can overcome, you know, certain injuries and, and some teams just simply can't. So I think the Buccaneers will be okay, you know, if OJ Howard has to miss the season or if he is out for an extended period of time. Hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be okay. But that's two injuries to go ahead and touch on it. And that one, why don't we jump over, Chris, to Baltimore at Washington? Baltimore today, uh, depending on the line you got, you probably end up covering. They win the game by fourteen. There were a lot of thirteens out there throughout the week, thirteen and a half. Uh, one of the plays that you and I liked was Lamar Jackson over passing yards. He comes up short in that one by a little bit. Chris, he ends up with 193 yards passing, two TDs. He had some decent rushing today, 53 yards, a touchdown. I wasn't really overall impressed with the Baltimore offense. One of the things that I did take note of, though, is the fact that, you know, Hollywood Brown, would look, he was being targeted a lot in that game, and that dude's just quick. If he, He's going to end up – he's going to have a monster game where he ends up with 150 yards and two TDs. Um, that game's just coming because Lamar's looking his direction. As far as, you know, Washington's concerned, my boy McLaurin went off again today, 118 yards, no touchdowns. But, look, let's give credit where credit's due, and I've been talking about this week after week. Haskins has improved so much as a quarterback. He was 32 for 45 today for 314 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, didn't have any touchdowns. But he's looked he has looked good as a quarterback. So I think, you know, you guys going ahead and selling him low. You know, if you guys are, are trying not to pick him up in fantasy, 
Wait until he goes up against a really bad defense, which I think he's going to end up with a couple here over the next couple weeks, especially when he goes up against, you know, the Giants and goes up against Dallas. No, look, maybe to go ahead and pick him up and if, if you need a quarterback. Haskins has improved a lot. He's probably the most improved player that I've seen from last year to this year. I mean, that guy was absolutely terrible last year. He's playing well this year. Maybe you're not getting the touchdowns, but at least he's playing well. Uh, that's about all I saw in that game. I'll look for some injuries in that one, Chris, while you go ahead and talk. Uh, what would you see in that game today? Yeah, I am I'm, I'm I have kind of mixed reviews on Haskins, but I don't think they have better alternative, alternatives at this point with Alex Smith coming off that brutal leg injury. And then Kyle Allen was like the the most inefficient quarterback throwing the ball downfield last year in Carolina. So um, I, I, there was some news that came out before the game saying that Washington was actually, actually had Haskins on a short leash. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Kyle Allen eventually replace him if Haskins struggles next week in a tough matchup against the Rams. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, Terry McLaurin's so damn good, man. Like, I, I know he's one of your boys, Sleepy. I mean, 14 targets for him, 10 catches, 118 yards. Just imagine what he would do with, like, a, a good quarterback. I mean, I'm not saying Haskins is that bad, but, you know, I'm talking about an above-average, elite-level quarterback. McLaurin could be one of the top five receivers in the game production-wise. Um, and I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Antonio Gibson's a buy-low, even after this week. Every, everybody – including my – I benched him in two leagues, Antonio Gibson, man, and he went off. And, and he he was the RB number five in PPR scoring this week against the Ravens' defense. Everybody was saying to sit Gibson, and I, I bought into that trap too because you know he, he's only getting about half the snaps in the offense, but today they finally let him loose in the passing game. And that was what he did best at Memphis in college was he was a dynamic receiver as well as a running back. And he broke off like a 50-yard reception early in, uh, in the second quarter, I think, of this game. He also had he had his third straight game with a rushing touchdown. So 13 carries, 46 yards, a touchdown. Also had four catches, 82 yards on five targets. It's only a matter of time until this guy absolutely blows up. If, if you watch the tape on Antonio Gibson, I think he literally had less than 50 total carries in his entire collegiate career. And he's almost had that already in the NFL. So they're easing him in. But this guy was drafted as high as he was for a reason. And if you can buy low on him before he has his real blow-up game, I think this guy's got like 30, 40-point fantasy potential. And like you mentioned, Sleepy, you know they got the tough matchup that I set against the Rams next week. But after that, they've got the Giants and the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. And the Cowboys is a home game there. And we know how bad the Cowboys' defense is. So I'm going to be looking to acquire more shares of Antonio Gibson if I can this week. And Terry McLaurin, you know, if you got him, I think it's okay. Even with inconsistent quarterback play, he's going to produce high-level numbers for you. Um, you know, but that's pretty much all you're going to get is you're going to get McLaurin here and there. You're going to get Gibson. Those guys have massive potential. Other, other than that, I'm not really touching anybody. And it's a shame because in Baltimore, like the running back situation's a mess. It's like a third Dobbins, a third Ingram, a third Gus Edwards. Uh, Dobbins, we thought was going to be a potential league winner as like a stash. He's like borderline droppable at this point. I mean, you could keep on to him thinking that they might give him some more run later on in the season, but he's clogging up a roster spot in your bench right now. You might be hurting for injuries. So I'm I'm disappointed to see the lack of usage in J.K. Dobbins uh, so far through four weeks for the Ravens. Yeah, I don't know about that, Ravens. I mean, you got to think about their their other rushing option, which is Lamar Jackson, too. I mean, I wouldn't have any of those guys on my team right now. Um, I just don't think there's anybody that you could depend on for a consistent workload, you know, each and every week. 
Uh, that's that game. I don't really have a whole hell of a lot to say on that one. Let's go over to Carolina, Arizona. Uh, I, I don't want to say this was the shocker of the day because a lot of people actually like Carolina today. Um, they, they played a good game. They won the game 31-21. Bridgewater had a workman-like kind of game there. I mean, 276 yards, two TDs. Kyler Murray, I mean, they, they just couldn't produce anything through the air, only 133 yards passing. But you want to talk about efficient. He had three touchdowns in that game. Hopkins ended up with his nine targets today. Nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. But, I mean, we, we talked about DJ Moore, and that was a guy I was looking at to go ahead and get a touchdown. But, again, it's Robbie Anderson again with eight catches, 99 yards, 11 targets. You know, I'll just ask you plain and simple. Has Robbie Anderson taken over as the number one wide receiver for Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, man, this this is this is killing me, Sleepy. I mean, you, you have no idea. Robbie Anderson, his whole career has been like the, the field stretcher type of receiver. But what, what, this off, what this offensive staff and their scheme has done is they basically swapped roles. Like last year, it was DJ Moore playing a lot in the slot and on the intermediate routes. And they had, uh, you know, other guys going deep down the field. And you think Robbie Anderson comes in, he's going to be the deep field stretcher. But they're sending DJ Moore down the field now. And they're having Robbie Anderson line up on the short to intermediate routes. And that's killing DJ Moore's potential because Teddy Bridgewater has not been throwing the ball accurately downfield. And then on top of that, we predicted that the Carolina Panthers, they were going to have one of the least amount of wins in terms of all 32 NFL teams this year. And they're winning games and they're staying competitive. And if they're not in negative game scripts and forced to throw the ball a ton, it's just going to cap DJ Moore's ceiling big time. And, and that's been the most disappointing thing for me so far. Um, I, I think, look, the, 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 I, I still think DJ Moore is a buy low. I, I think him and, him and Robbie Anderson are basically like the same. They're like both the number one receiver in that offense. It's like, a you know, I said 1A, 1B before. It's like a one and one. It's not even 1A and 1B. I think they're on equal playing fields right now. And I, I still think you're going to see those blow up games for DJ Moore come soon because, look, they faced over the next month, they faced the Falcons twice. They also have games against the Chiefs and the Lions. And, and then they have tough games against the Bucks, Saints, and the Bears where they might be trailing and having to throw in those games. So I think a lot better days are to come for DJ Moore. He still had six targets. Uh, but the fact that Anderson had almost double the amount, 11 targets in this game, it's not what you want to see if you're a DJ Moore owner. Um, I still think he's a buy low. still think he's a solid starting wide receiver too. Uh, expect better things to come, uh, but obviously not the start that we were hoping for so far. I think a big concern that a lot of people have to have if you're a Christian McCaffrey owner is the fact that Mike Davis right now is is erupting and that Carolina has won two games without McCaffrey on the field. Mike Davis again today, five catches, 84 yards rushing. He had a touchdown today. Now you got to wonder, you know, what's the role of McCaffrey when he comes back? Do they just throw him right back into the mix where he's getting his normal, you know, 25 touches a game? You know, are they going to go ahead and put him at some type of risk? I don't think you do that. I think, you know, what do you do with Mike Davis right now? I mean, he was – he was kind of a high-priced running back early this morning when I was looking, and then he goes out and he has this type of game. So uh, you got to wonder what this offense is going to look back, what, what it's going to look like with McCaffrey. Um, yeah, it could be a dangerous offense. Yeah, Steve, I just had to jump in before we move on to the next game. I just got a question for you because you mentioned Kyler Murray's efficiency, and, and you, you look at the numbers 24 for 31 for three touchdowns. You're like, oh, yeah, great game. But I got to ask you this, man. Kyler Murray had 133 passing yards in this game. 
on 31 attempts. He averaged 4.3 yards per attempt. I, I believe that was by far the lowest at all quarterbacks starting in week four. Like, what the hell's going on with Kingsbury? Like, what type of offense is he running here? I think they have, like, the worst red zone efficiency in the NFL right now. I see them, like, they're running, like, uh, toss running back plays, like, to the wide side of the field when they're at, like, the five-yard line instead of just running the ball with Kenyon Drake up the middle. I I think Kingsbury is just getting way too cute with this offense, and and they should not be losing games to the Lions and the Panthers in back-to-back weeks like this. So I'm I'm not liking what I see uh, because Kenyon Drake's been the biggest bust in fantasy so far. He is not involved in the passing game whatsoever. Zero targets. Chase Edmonds is getting all that work. I thought we all thought Kenyon Drake was a buy low at, at this point. Not anymore because if you're a running back not getting any passing game usage in a PPR format, you essentially have no value, especially when, when Kyler Murray's siphoning your uh, goal line touchdowns with his own rushing touchdowns. So. I don't know, man. That, that, that's, that was shocking to me in this game. 133 yards passing on 31 attempts. I, I don't know what Kingsbury's doing with that offense and what they got to do to fix that shit there. I think what they wanted to do in this game today particularly was they wanted to dumb down the offense for Kyler Murray. They wanted to go ahead and, and keep him from going ahead and, and making long bomb throws and running around the pocket. They really wanted to dumb it down. He's coming off of a game in which they probably should have beat Detroit he threw three interceptions in that game, and that's the reason why they lost that game. They turned the ball over, you know, I think either three or four times in that game. But I think it was, let's not let Kyler go out there and try to make him feel like he has to do everything. And they put him in a position today where I think it was just go out and do your job and don't try to extend anything. And the fact that he ran the ball and he was just, you know, like I said, he was efficient, but they didn't ask him to do anything. Like, it was like, follow our game plan and get us to where we need to be and we'll stay in the game but I guess it was it just wasn't enough today you know he didn't have any interceptions today so I have a feeling that was kind of a game plan thing I wouldn't get really you know all that too alarmed but the fact that you know he has five five interceptions on the season uh, we'll see how everything works out next week but I wouldn't be super duper alarmed the fact that he the fact that they lost today is is a bad thing had they won the game today and he didn't throw any interceptions and he was like that effective, then I would be worried. It would be like, well, there's a recipe for success where you don't let this guy throw all over the place. And unfortunately, they did lose the game today. So uh, maybe that game plan will be out the window as well. I guess we'll have to go ahead and and kind of see. But I do believe, Chris, that, that the three interceptions last week against Detroit in a game that they should have won kind of impacted that, yeah. you know, the, that kind of game plan today. That's That's the way I would feel about that. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's a good point. I, I think to me, there's the biggest alarm. I think Kyler's fine. He's still producing because he's running. But Kenyon Drake, man, I, I I don't know what happened. So many analysts in the industry, myself included, were high on him. I, I kind of like got off him a little bit before drafts because he was in a walking boot before the season started. But he's getting all the carries, no passing game usage, hardly any goal line usage. And, and he's just the most underperforming running back in fantasy to this point. And you can't even sell him for anything right now. So you might just have to put him on your bench for the time being. You know, one of the things I think when you bring in a, a running back who has a new life and I think it was, you know, for Drake, it was kind of, all right, man, I'm stuck down here in Miami for all these years. And it was like, you know, look what this team's done to me. Look at what this team's done over the last couple of years. Nothing, you know, they, they single-handedly could, could 
you know, kind of ruin a guy's career who has, you know, a lot of potential. I think Drake has potential. I mean, he did get hurt today in the fourth quarter and he didn't come back. So we'll have to go ahead and we'll watch on that. But I think when we go back to Drake, where I was talking about, you know, these guys come in with a lot of motivation, you know, they, they come in after, you know, they're on fresh legs and they're, they're on, a, they're playing on a team that really has nothing to lose. And they're going up against teams that, you know, are beat up that are in week, you know, week 13, week 14, week 15. I think we talked about Drake and the, the, the last end of the schedule there for Arizona, where it was kind of, I think it was kind of weak, at least defensively. And he was just feast, you know, he was feasting. Everybody's like, oh, he'll come back and have, you know, another one of those, you know, big seasons. And I think that that's, that's a concern. That, and it's easier to identify that, you know, the following year because you see what a guy does. But that's something that, that we should always look into is, you know, when you, when you bring a new guy in that hasn't played all year, that's leaving a system that's just, you know, brutal and terrible, they're going to have some type of a, you know, some type of a, you know, an energy surge. And they're going to be, you know, be, they, they, they say it's like a shot in the arm to the offense where it's like, oh, finally, we get somebody that's healthy and happy and, you know, going out there and really trying to go ahead and gain a roster spot. He's competing for a job at that point. A lot of guys aren't. You know, a lot of guys know they're not going to be on a team. A lot of guys know that, you know, the season's coming over. They're all beat up. They're all worn down. And then you have a defense on the other side that, you know, they might not even be, you know, even in the playoff conversation, they're all beat up and worn down. Then you get this guy who's, you know, ripping and ready to run. And he just, you know, exceeds everybody's expectations at the end of the year. And then everybody and their mother's on him, you know, the following year. But um, that's just something that to, to take note of that I've seen a lot over the last couple of years in the NFL with, you know, certain players and then people buying into them. But uh, let's jump over to the Vikings, Chris. My boy Dalvin Cook today had a pretty good day. I gave him out over rushing yards. He easily surpassed that 130 yards today, two TDs. Uh, I think we talked about dealing as well when we were doing that. Cousins. Again, a workmanlike effort, 16 for 22, 261 TD. Watson today had a pretty decent day. That Houston defense is, is a problem, and I think that you and I, we both might have agreed that, that Minnesota might have been the way to go today. Uh, I'm not sure what you saw in that, in that game. Um, Minnesota, I think they were just primed to go ahead and get a win today, and I really leaned on the coaching in that one. I thought Zimmer would go ahead and, and figure out you know, what he would need to do and it was give your best player the ball. And we talked about the Houston rush defense being the worst in the league. And Dalvin Cook goes off for, you know, 130 yards. Today. They had 162 yards rushing today, 4.1 yards per carry. And that's what they needed to do. They needed to take the ball out of Cousins' hand. Don't let him throw any interceptions. Just go out there, do your job. You know, don't don't force anything. Let's, you know, let, let Cook cook. And that's what they did today. And I think that that's why they came away. Um, with a win but I will say one thing Chris you know I watched enough of Fuller over the last couple years to know that you know he he's a really good wide receiver and if you if you don't have him or if you have a chance to go ahead and grab him you know right now it's like Watson he just doesn't have a whole lot of like dynamic playmakers on this team but Fuller is certainly one of those guys he had seven targets today for 108 yards and a TD Uh, he's a guy that I would be looking at picking up and and, then I think we talked about Jefferson Another big play guy, 103 yards today. Um, trying to think of what else I saw in that game today. I didn't really see too much, but I, I thought that the Vikings, you know, they, they if they had a game plan, they stuck to it, and, and it ended up working out against that that miserable Houston Texans team. Yeah, and I'm expecting a lot of points Sunday night. Uh, the, like we said earlier, the Vikings visit Seattle for Sunday night football. Right, uh, Vikings right now sitting at plus seven and a half on pregame.com. 
Uh, this total is is really high. We're, I think it, right now it's at 57 and a half. So uh, the, the market's priced this appropriately. I'm not, I don't have a, a strong lean or, or like towards either side of that total right now, but I do think a lot of these fantasy guys are in great spots for that matchup. And we're seeing what the, how to attack the Vikings, which is with the deep ball and, and using your number one receiving threat. And you mentioned Will Fuller. He had a long catch of 43 yards in this game. And you also saw in week one, they were torched by not just Devontae Adams, but Marquez Valdez scaling in week one against the Packers. Uh, MBS had 96 yards. And then last week against Tennessee, uh, you saw uh, a little used receiver, but the deep threat on the offense while A.J. Brown is out, his name is Khalif Raymond. You might re- remember him from the playoffs last year. He had three catches for 116 yards. So all I can say is I just want to know what the number on DK Metcalf is going to be when it comes out again, because like I said, if it's less than 80, I'm automatically firing. I'm probably going to fire like up to about 90 yards in this game because he's done it every single week this year. Uh, but you touched on it from the Viking side of things. I mean, Thielen is going to benefit from the emergence of Jefferson. So now back-to-back 100-yard games for Jefferson. And Thielen's going to be able to be more more free to roam on the outside, whereas Jefferson is actually playing more in the slot. They're going to they're gonna complement each other very well. They're going to lift the, the, the floor of Kirk Cousins. I mean, Thielen at eight catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. So... Other than that, I mean, the only guy you can go to it with the Houston Texans is Will Fuller, but you can run on the Texans. I think they have probably the worst run defense in the league so far. So uh, one prop, I know it's very early in the week, but I'm getting my notes together already. Uh, a one prop that I'm definitely going to look to attack next, next week is going to be some derivatives on James Robinson because the Jaguars are at Houston. Houston right now favored by six and a half. Uh, but running backs have been actually absolutely tearing up that Texans defense. And Robinson, as we know, has been balling out himself for, for the Jags. So uh, I'm, I'm already looking towards these matchups. And I think for these offenses specifically, there's not really much else to say for them. They're very concentrated towards the top guys there. All right, good stuff on that game. If you guys want an early week five best bet from me, I'll give you one right now. You got to plug this in now, though. You got to do a seven-point teaser. You got to take the Steelers at the Eagles. The Eagles will not beat Pittsburgh, and you got to take the Seattle Seahawks at home. Laying, uh, it'll be about a pick, a pick them. You just get, do a seven-point tease. Seattle will not lose to the Vikings at home, and the Steelers won't lose at home to the Eagles. So go ahead and grab that before those lines move. Uh, you do not want to lay a point and a half when you're going ahead and making that teaser. So make sure you get that under a point. Make sure you get that a pick them, pick them. Go ahead and play that in the seven-point tease. You guys can thank me later. All right, let's jump to the Rams and the Giants. I You got to give the Giants defense credit today. I mean, they held the Rams to 17 points. That was a high total. And, I mean, Daniel Jones went out. He had 190 yards. Goff went out had 200. Goff didn't look all that great. Uh, one thing about – I'll tell you one thing about the New York Giants. They, they simply – they haven't fixed their offensive line in God knows how long. Uh, Jones was back there getting killed once again. Cooper Cup had a pretty good day today. Uh, our boy that we thought it would have a decent day today, Chris, at least at least I did, was Henderson. Uh, not to be the case. I was actually thinking about taking Brown and taking Henderson and using one as an RB1 and using one as a flex because I figured – that it would end up getting a blowout type of game plan today, at least a blowout game from the Rams today. And, and I would end up, if I wasn't getting them with Henderson, I was getting them with Brown one way or another. And I figured I might end up with two or three TDs 
with two guys that got me 150 yards today. It wasn't the case. The Rams did not look all that good today. So um, I didn't really take a whole lot out of that one because it wasn't just a whole lot of scoring to, to take out of that one. No, the Giants ended up with more first downs than the Rams today. They had 19. The Rams only had 15. It was just a, a, a blog game overall for the Rams. I think one of the things that, that I think one of the things we have to look at is when a team is playing well and they win games that maybe they're not supposed to, that there is a big breath of fresh air where they go, look, you know, we can we can beat this. Hold on one second. These ads on ESPN are just out of control already. <laughs> Jesus. I think one of the things that we, that we have to take into consideration is when you have a team like the Rams and they're going up against somebody like the Giants and it's like, do we need to go out there and and try to blow this team's door off? And, and, and the answer was no. I mean, if you back the Rams today, um, you didn't end up covering that game today. But look, I, it's, it's a situation where you have to take a look at you know, the Giants in general and ask yourself, did they have a good game or did the Rams just go out there and lay up and try to get out of there healthy, you know, where they just wanted to go out and get everybody kind of involved. Uh, I don't think the Rams are really worried that they were going to lose the game against the Giants. Giants are on four right now. So I don't really know what to make of that game. But if, I mean, if this was, you know, a straight up game, then I would be concerned a little bit about the Rams outing today. Um, I mean, the Giants just can't put points on the board. I mean, 19 first downs, they end up with freaking three field goals in the game. Um, not good. Daniel Jones hasn't looked all that good either. I don't know how long he is for this league. I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Giants end up with the number one pick if they just move off him and, and deal him away or whatever the case might be. But maybe I'm thinking a little bit too far into the future. What did you see in that game, Chris, besides probably nothing? Well, looking ahead to the near future, I do think that Daniel Jones could be a great streaming option and a low-owned DFS option in week five uh, going up against the Cowboys. So he's faced the Rams and the 49ers the last two weeks. He's actually he's actually faced like a gauntlet of a schedule to start the season. I mean, the, the, the Giants to open up 2020 have played the Steelers, the Bears, the Niners, and the Rams. So you can't ask for more than a tougher schedule than that. So he, he's still going to have some tough matchups down the road. But for now, two out of his next three games are against the Cowboys and the, and the Washington football team. He's got the Eagles sandwiched in between. I think the Eagles defense is pretty solid. They're going to put pressure on you, but – I do think Jones enters the one-week streaming category for week five. Uh, and, you know, he wasn't all that bad in this game. He didn't turn the ball over until late in the fourth quarter when they had to throw it. Um, so I was impressed by him there of, of kind of showing a little bit of maturity there. He also ran for 45 yards, and he has an extremely thin wide receiver pass-catching core with no more Barkley, no Sterling Shepard. Uh, we won our player prop with Darius Slayton uh, under 50 and a half. We just snuck that one in there. We also won on him last week. We bet him over 47 and a half. But the reason we bet him under this week is because of the matchup he had with Jalen Ramsey. So 2-0 on the Slayton props. I, I'm probably going to be looking towards his over number this week, depending on what it comes out as, because of that matchup with the Cowboys again. So uh, just a little bit of looking ahead there. It was good to see Evan Ingram finally get involved. He's been super quiet all year. He had 10 targets but only six catches for 35 yards. So if you're hurting for tight end, he's possibly a buy low, uh, a guy who's shown upside in the past. And he's kind of like the de facto number one uh, option besides Slayton in that offense right now. So uh, Tyler Higby has been losing snaps and, and running less routes each week and being used, being used more as a blocker. So if you can still sell him based on, based on some type of name value compared to what he did down the stretch last year, 
I would say do it now before too late, before you just need to cut him. Because four targets a game for Higby is just not going to cut it. And I'm not going to play a guy every week where it's either he's either going to score two touchdowns or get like three points. I'm just not trying to play like play guys like that week to week. Uh, and then Sleepy, just the lesson learned here again, like I said with Matt Patricia, is we've been burned before trying to guess the running back carousel game with Sean McVay when we all think it's going to be one guy. And all of a sudden he plays Malcolm Brown on like 60-plus percent of the snaps in this game when Henderson just had the best two games of his career. And Malcolm Brown on top of that gets gets six targets while Henderson gets one target. I have no idea what happened here. It's just another case of like we think we know what's best, and, and we probably do. I think most of us think that Henderson is the better player. We see it. But the coaches they have their own tendencies. They have their own opinions on things. And who knows what he might have did during practice that to put him in the doghouse. We have no idea what happened. But he should have played more, and he didn't. And we've learned that from McVay in the past, that we simply cannot trust the consistent running back usage unless it's Todd Gurley in his prime with that offense there. All right, good point there with that one. Um, all right, let's move on to a different game here. I don't want to talk about the Giants anymore. I think we gave out Ingram receptions over, actually. We were talking about that one this morning. as maybe a guy to go ahead and look at. Uh, Sheep's play of the week. Everybody was on the Colts. Colts ended up going ahead and getting the job done there today. They ended up winning the game 19-11. to uh, Nick Foles went out, through the ball 42 times, 29 completions, 249, one TD, one interception. Uh, overall, I, I think that, you know, the Bears offense was just bogged down. I think we have to take into serious consideration that the Colts might have the best defense in the league. Um, the team's just playing lights out. I think they've given up like 40 points. They're averaging, I think it's like 10 points per game right now. Uh, that defense is playing really, really well. Um, I don't really have much in that one. I was a little concerned that, um, you know, my boy Doyle, I I mean, I have a bunch of guys right now that I got to go through on my fantasy league and, and start dropping. I think I got to get rid of Doyle. Um, I don't think I could use him anymore. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a decent game today, 68 yards. I mean, Rivers only threw for 190 and one touchdown. Uh, it was, I think it was more of a defensive type of game, just a defensive struggle game where, you know, guys were struggling to get open. Guys were struggling to go ahead and make plays. Uh, Allen Robinson, clearly the highlight player of that game. I think he had seven catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I didn't see anything that really excited me in that one. I thought Montgomery would actually have a better game. I don't think he could play a running back right now going up against Indy. I don't even know if he could play a wide receiver. Maybe maybe you can. I mean, Robinson did have a good game today, but I expected better things from Montgomery. Not to be the case. That Indy defense is the real deal. Um, I don't know if I would start anybody against that team right now. What do you think about that game? Well, um, I mean, Allen Robinson's still doing what he does best. He's the alpha in that offense as the number one receiver. He had a great game, 10 targets, caught a touchdown, eclipsed 100 yards in a tough matchup. Uh, we were high on Anthony Miller and Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham uh, put up some uh, you know junk time points at the end and hit a couple on his overs. I didn't put those out as official plays because those, those numbers didn't come out until super late in the weekend. Um, it looks like, unfortunately, Anthony Miller's losing playing time to Darnell Mooney, the rookie there. So Mooney had nine targets to uh, five for Miller. So I'm, I'm just trying to avoid everybody except for Anthony Miller. And maybe if you, if you need a starting option, you could throw Jimmy Graham in there. If you need to, he's getting a decent amount of targets. Uh, I'm really interested, Sleepy, about the week five matchup. We've got the Colts at the Browns. And uh, Colts opened up minus two and a half on the road. 
and now they, they've been bet down to minus one. Uh, I think this the way these two teams like to play and run the ball, we could see one of the slowest pace games of week five. So I'm looking at the total right now. Uh, it's currently a 47 and a half. Uh, I would lean towards the under in that one. I got to take a little bit of a closer look. Uh, that's kind of my general thoughts. I think next week you're going to de- definitely want to play Kareem Hunt despite being in a tough matchup. But I'm definitely going to be ranking OBJ lower uh, than consensus uh, despite the blow-up game that we talked about just based off the matchup going from the Cowboys to the Colts overall. All right, solid stuff there. In that one, um, I did have one more thing to note in that game, but I don't remember what the hell it was. All right, well, let's jump to another one here. Let's see what else we got. Yeah, two more. All right, two more games left. Any of them good? Oh, yeah, Buffalo. That was my big play today. I actually gave that one out at pregame.com for my clients. Buffalo played well, but I will I will tell you this right now. Anybody that tells you that Buffalo has a top three defense, they're wrong. They simply don't. Um, I had them as my number one defense going into the league. I could clearly sit here and tell you today that I was wrong about that. They do not have the best defense in the league. At times they play good, and I know they only let up 23 points in a game in which – you know, we, we see, you know, 30, 40 points every week. But that Bills defense, it's just simply it's it's not top-notch right now. Can they cover guys? Yeah. But their linebacking core right now is, is a real liability. And their defensive pass rush is actually quite weak. Now, I know they had, you know, some decent plays today. But, you know, they gave Carr a lot of time today. Carr threw the ball 311 times for two TDs today. And Waller did his thing. Renfro did his thing. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a big game today. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say a big game, but he made some big catches when they needed him. Even Zay Jones, uh, you know, the Raiders really had no problem running up and down the field on Buffalo. But then again, it was, you know, it's the Raiders defense. Josh Allen looked okay. Singletary was a big part. Diggs, we talked about him. Another guy that was lined at four and a half catches. You and I were all over that one earlier this morning. You had to pay some juice. Uh, One of the notable injuries in that game, Cole Beasley ended up, catching that touchdown where he did like a somersault landed on his head, but he ended up hurting his foot. Uh, so we don't know what his um, status is. I ended up tweeting out today about Gabe Davis. I, I And I know he was a guy that was probably going to emerge. And if, if Beasley's going to be out of this offense, um, maybe he'll end up getting a little bit more run, but I had him in my fantasy league today. He ends up getting a touchdown today. So that was, that was quite interesting. Uh, the Buffalo offense, Chris, it, when, when I watch it, you know, you got Diggs, you got Brown, you got Singletary. You know, they have two tight ends that they're targeting. Like, this team's coming together. If they can get their defense figured out, I'll tell you right now, they're going to make a move come trade deadline to figure out who they can get in there to, to rush the quarterback and cause havoc, or they're going to find, you know, a really good linebacker somewhere out there, and that's going to help them out so much because right now, you know, the middle of the field is just, it's wide open. Like, and teams are just doing whatever they want. And we saw that today again. So if you think that, and I I ended up drafting the Bills defense in my fantasy league, and I'm not quite happy about that. I'm sure they'll show up with the game here or there. But Buffalo, they need to fix their defense. So they're going to start losing some games uh, when they play quarterbacks who are efficient and they could actually, you know, exploit the middle of the field. So I will go ahead and make note of that. Uh, besides that, I don't have much else on that one. I will say one thing, Chris. I had Hunter Renfro in my fantasy league, and I was going up against Cole Beasley, and it was a head-to-head for one-two. 
and there were a bunch of guys sitting in like three through 20. Well, Renfro caught a third down pass and I ended up vaulting in the first place. And I'm like, sweet. And all I needed was for Buffalo to go ahead and like, you know, get a first down or something like that. And the Raiders wouldn't have gotten the ball back. And I didn't, and I was like, well, if the Raiders get the ball back, no big deal. And then the Aguilar touchdown killed me. I'm like, that's going to kill me. It took me out of first place. It dropped me all the way down to eighth. So I was pissed about that. But uh, you touched on Renfro. I believe his catches were what, four and a half today. And he ended up going over that one. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the number was. I, I saw it around five. I, I saw one place, four and a half, one place, five and a half. So he, he didn't, I, he actually went under on his yardage. He didn't really come on till late. I think, I think in the third, third quarter at some point, he had like one mm-hmm. catch overall. So he was struggling early. It was Waller who mm-hmm. ate it up in this game. Um, but yeah, I agree with you with the bills defense. I, they're not a defense you're going to shy away from when it comes like next week, the bills are minus eight and a half at the Titans. I'm actually surprised they're favored by that much on the road at Tennessee. I don't know if they're trying to factor in the fact that, uh, Tennessee is dealing with all this COVID situation stuff, but I still struggle to believe how the bills are, are like, uh, that much better than, than the Titans minus eight and a half. I think that number is re- as much as I like the bills. I, I think that number is way too big right now. Um, and then in terms of Devin Singletary, this is the time where you got to sell high. Zach Moss was questionable all week, uh, and he's returning from injury. And when you saw him play in the first two weeks with Singletary, it was almost a 50-50 split in that backfield. But Singletary has received bell cow usage. He had 23 touches today. This was actually another brutal prop loss. Uh, Hitman gave it out on Twitter the second that the Moss news dropped. He's like, I'm playing Singletary over uh, 56 and a half yards. And I was like, oh, like I'm literally taking Moss out of my lineup. I see the tweet and I'm like, oh, I have to play that. And I was like, I think that's a great prop to give out on the article as well. Singletary finishes with 55 yards. So we lost that by a yard and a half. So a brutal loss there. And they had a lot of opportunities to give him the ball. But it's tough because Josh Allen runs the ball a lot at, at, you know, himself. So um, you know, you're still going to be capped in terms of your potential as a running back in that offense. But I would try to sell high now while you can on Def and Singletary because once Moss comes back, Singletary's usage might be even cut in half. Uh, and I would even look to buy low on Henry Ruggs, see what his injury status is. When you look at Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar, they, you know, the two of them were playing outside in this game. They combined for eight catches, 76 yards on 10 targets. And that's the, that's the downfield role that they, they drafted Henry Ruggs to be and that they need him to be when he's back. So he's sitting on injury right now and he's not playing and you could buy him low off somebody's bench. And maybe in two weeks, he's a high upside type of starter from you. I would definitely look there. Um, so that's pretty much what I got from this one. And I, I think sleepy, you tell me if I'm wrong, but if, if Russ Wilson wasn't cooking like he is right now, I think Josh Allen might be the front runner for MVP in this league. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that they wanted to go in and kind of get, kind of get ironed out today was, you know, where's he going to be as a passer? They, they, uh, you talked about him rushing. He only ran the ball today, uh, three times for minus one yard. One of those, I believe was a kneel down and the other one was just a quarterback sneak. So he didn't even run the ball today. So the fact that Singletary didn't get his yards today was, was kind of brutal. I think what it was is it, and this happens, you know, you can sit and watch an entire game and, and a succession of things happen. And then you turn around and you're like, oh man, it was like, I don't need this to turn into, you know, a, a third and four. I don't need this to turn into, you know, a second and 12. You know, Buffalo ended up behind. There were a lot of penalties in that game today that really just sent them behind the sticks today where they needed to pass the ball and they really needed, you know, they needed Josh Allen to go out there and throw. So to me, that was kind of just a bad beat, just the way that the game was playing out. 
you know, it didn't, it didn't really, you know, it didn't help Singletary out in, in any way, but he did get 18 touches. He probably should have had a little bit better of a day, just 3.1 yards per carry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Allen, I mean, Allen's in the conversation, but you had mentioned that they're, how big are, is, are you right about that? that are they really? That's what it says on pregame.com at minus eight and a half. There's no way that that, that line could be right. I mean, you have to take Tennessee if that is the actual line. Um, I'm going to pregame right now to see if that is actually the case. Yeah, that, that line has to be wrong. Okay. That's got to be a Because I'm looking at better on line AG, and they don't even have that game up right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the COVID thing. Sometimes they might, they'll, uh, Ben Online might just whiz a line up there just to get their, maybe their system rolling. But I don't think there's any way that. There, that can't be right. right yeah. There's no way. That's yeah, it's not even that, on the yeah. fourth draft. He doesn't have it. Uh, th- sometimes that'll happen when if you go to pregame, like it, in order just to get the um, – certain places have certain systems, and what they do is everything is by rotation number. So in order to get those rotation numbers somewhat correct, they have to at least you know put something out there in order to get them to show up within like their system. So that line, that, that line I can tell you right now, is not right. Um, that's one of the cool things about pregame. You know, we, we get, you know, the lines as soon as they come out as well. So um, just take note that the Bills aren't minus eight and a half. If that's the case, I would make a game of the year bet on the Titans. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but good observation there. All right, let's jump over to final game of the day. Philadelphia Eagles, my uh, podcast best bet. <laughs> I don't even know what to say, Chris. I, I, I woke up briefly from my nap and I saw Philadelphia was winning. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And my buddy texts me. He's like, I took the Heat and I took the Eagles in a parlay. And I'm like, you're nuts, dude. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, if there's a time where you're going to hit dog dog, it's it's this it's it's that parlay. So I get that's what woke me up. He texts me. He's like, I'm going to win. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, geez. So I was happy naturally. But then I look at the box score and I'm starting to look. I'm like. All right, so George Kittle had more catches, um, you know, in the game than than almost Carson Wentz or Nick Mullins had completions. I mean, George Kittle went off today, 15 catches, 183 yards, had a touchdown. But, I mean, that Philly offense, dude, I mean, they're in, they're in deep crap. I mean, you got guys like Travis Fulgram as your leading receiver. Uh, Sanders had his uh, 40 yards today. He didn't do anything. Uh, Car- I mean – Look, this is what Wentz does. He he can – and uh, people will bang on him. And I said this in our podcast when I gave out the, the Eagles as a best bet. I knew San Fran was lucky because they beat up on two bad teams and they faced two defenses that were just, you know, rather rather bad. But I knew the Philly defense was actually getting healthy. If they had Vinnie Curry with this defense right now, this Philly team would be in every single game. But he's out. But I knew they were getting healthy and they would be okay – in this particular game because the 49ers just, they just didn't have enough and their defense is banged up. Their offense is banged up. So that's one of the reasons why I really liked Philly, but Wentz is kind of used to this already. I mean, this guy's been playing with, you know, this wounded bunch of warriors for how long now he's making it work. And he's a top seven quarterback in the league, regardless of what his numbers said today, he willed this team to go ahead and get a win today in a game where they could have went in and probably lost. And I know Philly had, you know, a, a defensive effort from from here and and a couple of kicks from field goal that, that were you know rather long or whatever, 
But Philly got the job done. It, my best bet won, so I was happy about that. But, you know, my concerns going into next week for Philly, again, as I said, they're go- they got to play Pittsburgh. That's not going to be pretty because Pittsburgh got a bye week. They're going to be healthy. They're going to be happy to play football. And I think Philly comes out of this West Coast trip kind of beat up. And it doesn't matter who they get back. They're just a mess right now. That Philly defense is going to have to play lights out next week. That might be a good under bet, Chris. I don't know what the total is in that game. I might, Actually, I'm going to look at that right now because if it's anywhere near like 48 and a half, I'll bet that under immediately. It's 47 and a half. I'd probably still go ahead and take that one under. I think that's an ugly game. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you see, you know, maybe like one of those, uh, man, I don't even know, maybe like a 16-10 type of game. I think that's a really low scoring game. I think the under cash is in that one. That total is way too high. But um, that's all I got for that one. I'm glad. I'm glad I cashed. Kittle went off. And that's about it. Yeah, with the with the Eagles, they they their tough schedule continues. The next two weeks, you mentioned it at Pittsburgh and then at home against Baltimore. However, if you can hold on to Miles Sanders or even buy him low now, an owner might be frustrated after a down week with tonight's game. Uh, they get a nice stretch where they're playing the Cowboys, Giants, Browns, and Seahawks in four straight weeks. And those are all great opportunities for guys like Miles Sanders, uh, maybe even a Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, to really bounce back in fantasy. So uh, you got to rough it through these next two weeks. I think Miles Sanders will be okay regardless. His role is secure in that offense. I wish they would have given it to him more because he actually did look pretty explosive in limited opportunities tonight against San Francisco. Um, but – I. I don't know. We'll have to talk about the QB rankings thing another day. But ever since Wentz had that had that major injury, he just looks so slow out there. He used to be able to really scramble and be dynamic outside the pocket. But anytime he runs now, like outside the pocket and tries to extend plays, it looks like he's like at half speed compared to what he once was. And he's still a pretty young guy. So I'm just I'm not liking what I see from Wentz. He made the one throw to Fulgram down the field, but but it was the Eagles defense that won this game. Let's not get that twisted. I mean, they they literally benched they 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 forced uh, Kyle Shanahan to bench Nick Mullins in the second half for C.J. Beathard. So that's how big the Eagles defense came up tonight. So I would actually uh, possibly look to fade offenses going up against Philly uh, to an extent because of the pressure they were able to put on the quarterback, and you have Darius Slay providing decent shadow coverage on the outside. Um, other than that, with the San Francisco team, it, it, whenever Garoppolo comes back, he's going to boost the floors of all these guys in that offense. Kittle's going to beast no matter who's back there. Uh, I did like what I saw from McKinnon, though. Uh, 14 carries, had eight catches, uh, had 11 uh, targets overall, um, and seven catches through the air. So even when Mostert comes back, I think McKinnon's locked into a solid role in that offense. And I'm just hoping he stays healthy because he really looks good out there after all the injuries he suffered the last couple years. Kudos to him for how explosive he still is, and I'm happy to see him getting some run out there. So that, that's pretty much all I got on that game. And you look at next week, uh, you, you, you mentioned the Eagles at the Steelers. The Eagles are plus seven. Um, and then the Dolphins are at the 49ers. 49ers right now minus eight and a half, open at minus nine. Uh, I don't know what, what we think on that, uh, depending on who starts a quarterback for San Francisco, but that's an interesting line to me as well. I'll tell you right now that the wise guys are going to end up eating up all the dogs next week. They'll probably be on the Broncos. They'll probably be on the Raiders. They'll probably be on the Bengals. Uh, they'll probably be on, more than likely, they might even be on the Giants. They might be on the Dolphins. Uh, just be prepared for next week with a lot of these high lines, a lot of these big high home favorites um, that the wise guys are, are feeding you guys. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the dogs next week. 
and it might be for good reason. And, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, why would that be the case? You know, when the books are getting beat up, they have to go ahead and inflate something somewhere to try to even out, you know, the losses that they might take. And right now where they're getting beat, they're getting beat with the overs. The overs are cashing, you know, if, if you know, the overs are, you know, 12 out of 16 games, well, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, that's a lot of money that they're going to lose. And then they do it again the next week. So if they're just going to keep, they'll end up inflating the, they'll, they'll inflate the favorites and they'll inflate the totals to try to end up where, you know, there becomes a, we, we all know this, that there's, a, there's always a bookies weekend where, you know, that, that the betters just get slaughtered and don't be shocked if this is the weekend where, you know, maybe, you know, a ton of dogs come in and a ton of unders come in. So you just got to be careful with, you know, with how the books try to go ahead and, and manipulate things, but they will, you know, I'm seeing a lot of seven and a halfs out there. Uh, you got one, two, three, I'm going to take that bills game out uh, four, five, six, seven. There's seven games where the line is over seven and a half. Um, that's scary. And then everything else is, uh, you know, we're looking at 57 total, 53, 52, uh, 54. There's no totals on these games. I'm guessing that the Panthers Falcons is going to be in the fifties. I'm guessing that the Raiders is going to be in the fifties. So just don't be shocked if next week turns out to be a bookies weekend where, you know, a lot of the unders cash and a lot of the dogs end up cashing. But I can tell you right now, the wise guys will be all over the dogs next week. So don't be surprised about that one. Uh, that's it, Chris. We had a really good, good, productive week of work. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to the podcast, uh, Friday night, Chris and I did a player prop podcast. Um, that was really cool. That was fun. We did a deep dive. We had a lot of uh, positive comments on that. Wednesday night, we did our – Chris, what did you say our best bet was? Our best bet record from the podcast or whatever the hell oh, bets we gave out for. I, like I, I misspoke. I said 14 and three, but I misspoke because I, I thought it was Chargers plus seven and a half, but Smooth and Hitman gave out Chargers plus seven. So I just fixed the spreadsheet, uh, but still a great week. We were 12, three and two overall. All right, cool. Well, that was good. And then we did, you know, we did well on our prop stuff that we give out. I mean, we've given out a ton of information. So, as I had mentioned on our podcast that I, I pretty much guaranteed that we would have, you know, a winning week. Um, sure enough, we did. And, you know, when when you sit down with the hitman, Uncle Dave, and you give Chris time and, and Mackenzie's there and everybody's just grinding and we're getting the information, you know, you're going to end up with probably some decent results. So, yeah, sleep, sleep, um, yeah, and also the, the player props that we mentioned a lot with the article that I put out each week. I put it out usually uh, late Saturday night, Sunday morning. And that's the official, those aren't on our, our actual like podcast preview picks because we don't have those prop official numbers out. So overall through three weeks, we are now 31 and 17. So plus 14 on the prop bets. We were nine and eight this week. It was actually our worst week, but we've had all three weeks in the win column for the props. And uh, we were actually 13, three and two. We don't have our ret- retweet army picks. So I'm not sure if we went one and one, or we lost both or won both of those with uh, Wayne and Tyler there. But uh, outside of the retweet picks for week four uh, right now, 13, three and two. And then we got my teaser going Monday night. If the Packers win the game outright, I'll win my Packers Seahawks uh, uh, pick them teaser. Actually, I think the retweet army pick was Dallas. And I think the other pick was Green Bay. I believe those were the two picks. So you're going to need Green Bay to go ahead and split. But overall, a good podcast. A lot of solid work. 
a lot of good results, so we're happy about that. We'll do it all again uh, this upcoming week, guys. As always, check us out on Wednesday. We'll have our NFL Week 5 pod, providing that the NFL plays. I'm getting worried about coronavirus and uh, all the crap that's going on. So keep our fingers crossed that we don't have any cancellations this week. Uh, Monday night, doubleheader. Make sure you guys tune into that. That should be rather interesting. I think what will be cool about that is you could plug in you know, some, a little bit of a fantasy lineup with two games going on, so that would be pretty cool. Uh, with that said, you guys can find me on Twitter, sleepyj underscore pregame. You can get Chris at Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist, and you can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, hope you guys had a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the games the rest of the week. Talk to you later.